Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, January the 3rd, as we record this one. Uh, Clemson and Carolina are still dueling down in uh, fake, fake Clemson. Um <laughs> I guess I have to give that up at some point. Down in Little John, uh, a venue I'm, I'm really excited to to to, to see uh, the renovations and such in a few weeks. Uh, but we have plenty of uh, of UVA hoops stuff to talk about after the first two games of the ACC slate. Let's get everybody out. Uh, yeah, wow. Get everybody in uh, into the room and, and and introduce everybody out in uh, Fishersville. Back from his Orlando vacation, David Spence is back on the podcast. Welcome back, sir. Well, it's not great to be back, but it's good to be back. David Spence, who days on the board at who days on Twitter? Uh, we will get into uh, some of the ins and outs of his his vacation, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, staff writer Justin Ferber up in Arlington is also back on the podcast. Welcome back, my friend. I think it's great to be back. Yeah, he's, <laughs> Ferber's very glad for you to be back. Yeah, I mean, come on, settle, don't settle for less. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter and at Cavs underscore corner on Twitter as well. <laughs> Cavs underscore corner. Great place for our end game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. So Dave, where were you? Where were you the other day when you weren't watching the game? Where were you? Were you in an airport or were you like doing stuff? No, no I was in, I was at Disney for a few days with the family, several days a week. I don't know. A long time. <laughs> No, no, I mean, but specifically, so, yeah. you, there was a game that was going on, and you were the Louisville game. We were in downtown Disney, so I was okay. following it. I was following it on Twitter and Gamecast because I couldn't stream it because of all the people there. Yeah, um, jerks. But yeah, uh, how dare they go on vacation and, and make the bandwidth yeah. not uh, sustainable? <laughs> yeah. But Dave was like, I, "It's hard to follow whatever, whatever on this." And I was like, and I literally sent him a text back that said, "Cavs underscore corner." <laughs> Great place for <laughs> in-game updates. <laughs> it was one of my one of my happier uh, moments. Um, one of my one of my more witty uh, texts. See, I, I save all the witty banter for uh, um, the text the, thread. The text. No, yeah. Say, I, no, no. I save it all for the uh, for the for the Twitter, so that if any time I'm ever witty in the text thread, it, it's 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 a bonus. Um, ACC if, basketball has so much room for witty banner. I was just thinking, it, it, it really there's does. so much weird stuff going on. All it really the time. does. I have to I have to give a shout out to uh, oh god, I can't uh, Daniel. I think is his name. Embrace the pace. Is his name Daniel? Maybe I don't know. Uh, he tweeted this thing out tonight, which which reminded me um, that Luke May is basically a supersized Ty Jerome. <laughs> if you look at the two of them, they do. And I remember thinking of it like uh, I don't know if it was the Kentucky game or it was another game where Luke May like Luke was was shooting free throws and he had like he he was doing this thing with his jersey he was like he had his fingers like underneath his jersey and he was doing this thing and I was like yo he looks just like Ty, like a larger Ty Jerome um, I, I may be distracted tonight watching Carolina and Clemson um, so if if at some point I, I don't know what you guys just said it's because of that <laughs> anyway um, speaking of ACC basketball so up is down. Um, Night is day. Boston College is good. Georgia Tech beat Carolina. Uh, Virginia lost at home. Uh, Duke got housed by Virginia Tech. Uh, are we overreacting if we think the league is wide open, or are we really in, uh, in store for the craziest year of, of, of ACC hoops in quite a while? What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I think it's going to be a crazy year, but I think we're, we're overreacting to how crazy it's going to be right now. I mean, you look back at Virginia last year at this point um, – 
and where the ACC as a whole was. I mean, it's, you know, you start playing these games, you know, a couple times a week against quality opponents and all of a sudden, you know, the truth comes out. Um, I don't know, there's some definitely improved teams, but, you know, as injuries start to hit and everything else and these teams that are getting by on one or two players will start to thin out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, over as a whole, I think we see it every year, so it doesn't surprise me. But, yeah, there are some really good teams. The middle of the pack has certainly improved, um, and the top of the pack has come back a little bit. So that'll make it interesting for a little while, but I think still, yeah, by the end of the year, I, it, it'll all make sense. Virginia will be at the top. What I find super interesting, you you just said something a second ago I thought was really uh, telling. You said a bunch of quality, and you're playing quality teams. I think the number of quality teams, or how I would describe or define quality teams, is certainly taking a step up. I think you're right. The middle of the ACC is better. The top is really good, but doesn't have its crap together right now. Um, I feel like you know Duke is a little bit of, a, of an enigma, given all everything that's kind of circling that program with the the way that they try to build it with the one and dones and then you've got the fact that they don't really mesh and then you've got a crazy person in the lineup um and then you've got coach k that needs to um take some time off for back surgery uh it, it really is kind of a uh, a weird kind of year for them and sim and, and usually when the way duke goes kind of uh, for lack of a better description kind of dis- defines the way the conference goes but you made a good point there. You 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 know last year this time, let's see, Virginia had uh, gotten had beaten Cal, beaten Oakland, uh, got a got a, a win over Notre Dame to start. Then they lost at Tech and at Georgia Tech. They came home, they beat Miami that first week or week and a half uh, or so of the month, and then they went down to Florida State and lost. And so they were one and three. And it's like mentally, I I remember that that happened. Right, I understand that they were, uh, excuse me, two and three, but like, it still doesn't feel like it happened. Does that make sense? Like, I, I like I intellectually understand that as a thing that transpired in the world. It is not a thing that I feel like happened because of the way it feels. And so, Virginia's sitting at one and one right now with a win at a top ten team and a loss to a top twenty team at home feels kind of weird. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, this is just kind of the nature. Um, of the conference to some extent. What do you think, Ferber? Are we overreacting a little bit, or do you think that the conference is really going to be as crazy as the first few days, first week or so, as as looked so far? I mean, I think it's going to be a, a lot of – there's going to be a lot of parity in the league this year, but I don't think it's going to be – I mean, you're not going to have every single team finish 9-9. Nine and nine. It never works out that way. Um, I think – I mean, it'll be like last year. I think you'll have a few teams that end up 13-5, and 14-4 even maybe, and then you have a bunch of teams that are um, – you know, ten and eight, uh, nine and nine, eleven and seven, seven and eleven, um, and then you'll have a few teams that are at the bottom. Um, I think those teams in the middle are going to be good. You know, they're going to be they're going to have good resumes because they're going to get a lot of good wins during league play, and I think that that's going to bode well for the conference as they try to get a lot of teams into the tournament. But um, and I think that that means that you have to be on your A game, uh, not trying to, you know put the company into the company line out there or whatever, but to parrot the commercial. Right. But, um, I mean, you really, I think that does exist. Uh, I mean, like Tony said, after the Florida state game, he kind of told the team like, welcome to the ACC. This is what it's going to be like. So, um, I think with that being said, the, like the Florida state loss, that's just a loss to a quality team. Um, so I think you're just going to have to run into more quality teams and you're going to have to take care of business against the teams that 
are at the bottom part of the league. Like the you know, like North Carolina can't lose to Georgia Tech like that. Um, stuff like that's a game you can't lose. Um, right. So I think those are the teams you got to beat, and then you know those middle teams you just got to do your best and hopefully get a home court advantage and um, take care of those games and then win a few on the road. Isn't it weird to think that the one gimme that might be a gimme this year in the ACC is a team that was in the Final Four last year? Because Syracuse really is the only team that I look at right now. I mean, it was Boston College at Georgia Tech before the season started, and we know how that all went. Um, I just feel like as I look around the league, the teams that we maybe thought were going to be awful are pretty are not just improved but dramatically improved, and the teams that maybe we thought were going to be really good are still trying to figure things out. Which means that the first part, like the first part of conference play, like the month of January, could be—I I don't want to say unprecedented, but it can definitely be pretty crazy. And so you—you you might be sitting there in mid to late February, like, what in the world happened that first second week of January? Um, and, and for Virginia specifically, right? So they—they they open at Louisville, and you thought, man, that's tough. You know, they got to go from Cal to Louisville in that week. They come back and they look so good to start. They fade obviously as the game wears on. They, they lose a tight one to Florida State. Um, these next two games, at Pitt and then Wake Forest at home, I mean, I don't I, – honestly, I do not know what to expect right now. I think Virginia's like a six-point favorite uh, tomorrow night in, in Pittsburgh. I, I just – honestly, I don't know what to expect over those two games, and I don't know what Virginia will be like a week later um, down in Little John. Um, I just the the these next three games to me are, are big question marks. Not necessarily because I think Virginia is going to lose, or because I think they have to win. But it's just like I honestly have no idea what to expect. What do you think? Yeah, Andy? I mean the ACC. Is, yeah, I mean, I was just looking back. The last last year, ten teams in the ACC finished five hundred or better in the conference. So, um, seven the year before that. Sorry, eight the year before that, and nine the year before that. So, there's been good teams in the middle of the conference i think it just speaks to how how good virginia's been the last few years um you know when it can get some some quality teams so yeah i'm not quite sure what's gonna pan out as the year goes on because okay these teams a lot of these teams are so different um that you know we really don't know what they are yet and you know until you get into the heart of the season um you know, where, where it's a quick turnaround or you don't have time to scout and legs get tired. I mean, that's kind of where, where your, where your conditioning and your depth start to start to play. Um, you know, but at this point in the season, I, I don't know how you can't, like you could be a pessimist and say Virginia is not where they've been the last couple of years. But I mean, I think looking at the schedule going in with all the changes, I mean, if we had all said you'd be 14 and two and one and one in the ACC right now, I think we'd all be pretty okay with that. Well, and the thing too is that if you think about it, they were in a in a, somewhat of a dire straits last year, and they went seven in a row or whatever, right? You look yeah. at the schedule, okay? They're gonna go. They're gonna go to Pitt, and then they're gonna get Wake Forest, and they go to Clemson a week later, and then a few days later, they got to go to Boston College, okay? Then they get Georgia Tech. Those three games, maybe four if you count Wake Forest, would be parts of a winning streak that you could think of, right? But Wake Forest is, I, I think, a lot better maybe than the two games that they've finished the last couple games. Clemson clearly um, is uh, is up to the challenge. Um, I think Jerron Blossom game is one of the best players in the league, without a doubt. Um, you know, Boston College is, is maybe not necessarily as bad as we thought. Georgia Tech probably not as bad as we thought. And then they got to go to Notre Dame, and then they get that weird out of conference game at Villanova. 
And then, the, and that's when the real hard stretch was supposed to start, right? When they get Tech, and then they go to Syracuse, which maybe is not quite as tough. And then they get Louisville, and they go to Tech, and then they get Duke, and they go to Carolina, and they have like Carolina twice in what ten days or something like that. Like the weird, the hard part of the schedule was always going to be from the Notre Dame game on. So these next like five or six games are super important, and you don't know what you're going to get from them. Like that's the that to me is the epitome of the ACC this season is that. You haven't even gotten to the hard portion of the schedule that you expected. To, the portion of the schedule you expected would be hard, and you also have all these other games that you were hoping you you know you would win, and those games are now somewhat of an unknown because the teams that you're playing are a little bit better than everybody thought. I think Dave's right. The thing will settle down. It will, you know, there will come a moment where it will be much more conventional. But I just think that the that the 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 teams in the middle to the lower half of the league have not just improved, but dramatically improved. And it really is going to be about guys. I mean, it is going to be night to night. Like you can look at UVA in, in Louisville and how different that team was to start than the team that, that played Saturday. I think it's just going to be, it's going to be a little bit of a crapshoot. What do you think? What do you think Ferber? Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I think, you know, people are kind of down on, I mean, after the loss on Saturday, but Imagine if these results had happened in the reverse order. Right. You know, they go they go lose to Florida State and then they go on the road and beat Louisville on the weekend. I mean, people would be saying, Oh, everything is good in the world, you know? So don't don't forget that this team did go beat Louisville and then I think Florida State has a team. I mean, they got some players. Um and one really good player. <laughs> um so I, I mean I think they need to get back to taking care of business at home. And I'm not saying that they're not a good home team anymore because they lost these two games. But um, obviously there's a little bit of a crack there that uh, wasn't there before. So they have to go back and try to – I mean, like Wake Forest, I think that's a pivotal game. Um, you got to be able to get that one at home. Yeah, and then, and then as I look forward, right, um, it, it doesn't – I don't. this is going to sound stupid, but it doesn't really matter – to some extent, how tough the league is if Virginia takes care of its own business. And what I mean by that is, is as I watched the Florida State game, it became very apparent to me that that was a very, very winnable game. As you got one kid going off and scoring basically all of his team's points. But even so, Virginia had several chances in that game to not just build on a lead, uh, but to basically put Florida State away. And they just never did it, either because weird... Offensive rebounds that they allowed, um, weird uh, squibs where the ball would like just kind of squirt out and find the guy and he'd hit a shot. Um, that seems to happen to this team this year more often than I can remember. Um, I don't know if I'm just taking more note of it this year, but it definitely seems like to me that there are moments when um, these these plays happen and you would think that somebody would just kind of be there and they're not, Right. The one where Bacon misses the two free throws and then randomly gets like what was almost amounted to a wide open jumper at the left elbow with four dudes standing around him, um, that to me was 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 just one of those weird ones. Like it wasn't like like I think people will walk away from that game thinking, ah, oh, you know, nobody blocked out. That the blockout didn't matter. Jaquez Smith tips it back and his hand he's almost like volleyball smacking it, and it just it just happened to go right to Bacon and he took one dribble and shot it. But like that's the that's the example. Like the little things. If Virginia takes care of itself, and 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 in that game, 
turnovers were, were clearly an issue. It wasn't just the number of them. It was when they happened and how they happened and what the situation was when they, when they happened. I thought Virginia was, was way, too, uh, way too lax with the ball at times. And even though there weren't more turnovers, there, could, there definitely could have been. I think that's got to get cleaned up because efficiency is such a huge deal for them. But then, but beyond, even beyond that, like they still got really good looks at, at shots, and they still came. You know, a dude basically had to score twenty nine points, right? Twenty six in the second half, and he had to hit a three over Isaiah Wilkins's outstretched arm, uh, just to, to to give his team the win. Like we can get down on them because they lost to Florida State, but that's a long, athletic, tough team that that's already ranked and and, and clearly getting better. Um, I think just the fact that it happened at home, Ferber's point is well taken. Like, if they had happened in reverse, if they had opened with Florida State and lost and they'd gone to Louisville and won, you're always, more, you're always happier at coming off of a win. That's just, that's just human nature, right? But had, I think the fact that they lost another game at home makes it feel worse because they just never lose at home. I mean, that's the second game they've lost in the ACC at home in, like, whatever million years, Right. I think fans. I don't want to say fans are spoiled because that's not the that's not the implication I want to imply here. I think that fans are used to, hey, oh yeah, Virginia just wins games at home, and sometimes they struggle on the road. This this team, it it, it, it that might well be the case. You know, we could be we could be sitting here um, middle of the week after the uh, NC State game in Raleigh, um, you know, excuse me, and, and after they play Carolina two nights later. And think, man, they just beat Carolina. They ha- they've only still lost that one game at home in the ACC schedule, and that's really impressive considering they've now beaten Virginia Tech and Louisville and Duke and Miami and North Carolina at home. You know, it, it, I, I always say that sometimes, you know, like people like all of the time will be questioning redshirt decisions, and I'm like, you don't know that it's a thing until down the road. Like, this might not be a thing until we can look back on it, but for now it definitely feels like a thing, and I don't know how real it really is. Um, I kind of feel like, in some ways, it just it, it seems worse because Virginia doesn't lose at home, um, and because a kid just hit a you know kid just went kind of nuclear and then hit a big shot late in the game. I don't want to overreact to that, but I also think that they could definitely go to Pittsburgh tomorrow night and lose. They could definitely lose to Wake Forest because I mean we know that the uh, Greek Deke has caused them all kinds of headaches in the past, and I, I don't see any reason to think that that they don't have that potential to do that this year, especially considering how kind of helter skelter Virginia is. Not just like half to half or game to game, but like, you know, under eight to under four. I mean, like they have these stretches where they're great, and then they have these stretches where everything just kind of just grinds to a halt. And I'm not really sure, kind of why that is. Yeah, two things real quick. Um, first, like you just said, I think that this team is more all over the place than in the past, and I think that's what throws people off. It throws me off because in the West Virginia game and in the Florida State game, there were stretches where I was like, this game. West Virginia, maybe not as much, but there were definitely stretches where I was like, they're going to win this game. Uh, you know, there were a couple big shots here and there where I was like, all right, that was the, you know, in the past, that would have been the point where it was like the watershed, you know, the dam breaks and they and they go ahead and win the game. Uh, like uh, Saturday, Florida State, um, Isaiah Wilkins three that we thought was a two um, that put them up four with not that much time left. I was like, all right. Um, I, f- I felt pretty good about their chances to win at that point, but because they're having these lapses now uh, on like back to back to back possessions, uh, it seems like more and more like you think that they did enough, but it's not quite enough. 
Um, and then the other thing is, you know, like Tony said after the game, people get too caught up in results sometimes and not don't look at the actual game itself. I mean, if, if guy makes that three in the corner and then, you know, Bacon's rims out and they win, I mean, what's the, is, is it really that different of a game? I mean, in the, in the long, in the long run, I mean, obviously the result is different, but I mean, the game itself was this, they played the same game. I mean, whether Bacon shot went in or not. So what do you think, Dave? I mean, Saturday's a tough one. I mean, it's certainly better than <laughs> it's. It's a good loss if there can be one. I mean, Florida State's playing well; they're ranked. It's not going to hurt you. In they're the number twelve. The oh, that's right. They moved up. They were twenty at the time we played them. Um, but you know, they're really good. And look, they're just a team. There's a couple teams out there. I feel like Louisville and Florida State have some of the sim- some similar players, like that athletic long guy. But Louisville just doesn't put in the effort against Virginia that Florida State does every time we play them. And it doesn't matter the score or the situation. Florida State never really dogs it, um, you know. And eventually, that you know, that can that can get you some points. And then, look, it, it seems like you know, Virginia hasn't lost a lot of ACC games, but it seems like to me every time. We do. It's because someone on the other team goes crazy. Whether it's, yeah, I'm trying to think of some examples off the top of my head, but you know, it's always one guy who who has a great game, um, and we just don't adjust to it because that's kind of not what we do. Um, but yeah, you, you're right. I mean, Bacon scored 29, and they won on a on a shot that you know, if Tony had called a timeout, you'd want to force him to take a long three. I mean, that's what he did. <laughs> he just made it. So. You know, short of being up in his face and risking a foul call, I don't know how you could have done anything differently at the end of the game. Um, it's just a matter of, like Justin was saying, it's being more consistent, not having that three to four possession lull with your offense. Um, you know, it's one thing to have three or four possessions where you where you get a good shot and you miss, but it seems that we're having too many of too many of those possessions in a row end in turnovers, um, and and just not having. Look, it's nice. We talked about this before, but in a possession game like that, having a guy that is kind of going to be the go-to guy um, that you play off of. Um, lately, it seems Kyle's becoming that guy, and London is kind of the the B or the you know those two are trading off. Um, not having a guy like Malcolm, who you know, <laughs> you realize how good he is as you watch him in the NBA now. Um, yeah, that's going to take a little while to to get adjusted. And, even then, I, you know, occasionally a guy's just going to hit shots. There's nothing you can do. Um, I mean, we held him to 60 points and lost, so I think it's just a matter of taking care of our own business and letting it, hoping it uh, sorts itself out as the season goes on. But, you know, this team just won at Louisville and at Cal against a very good Cal team. Um, and we saw some real good progress in the Louisville game as far as, you know, Devin Hall had a great game. Um, I think we had 20 points and 19 rebounds from our four big guys. Um, you know, if we can get that kind of production, Virginia can be a very good team. Um, we just need to see it consistently because we didn't see that out of the bigs against Florida State. I think you bring up a good point about like the alpha dog thing. I think that's been the biggest thing on offenses, even in this Florida State game. It's kind of frustrating sometimes. It just feels like they're just dribbling around. 
Like, like even when, when Malcolm was on the team, it's like, all right, they're going to try to get this guy the ball. And now it's like they just dribble around, and then it's like, oh, there's eight seconds on the shot. I told Brad during the game on Saturday, I said, sometimes the shot clock is their best, like their best friend because it's making them do something. Like, they dribble around so long that it's like, all right, there was a possession in the game against Florida State where I think it was Darius Thompson, but it might have been Devin. Um, there was like eight on the shot clock, and the crowd started eight, seven, and he was like, okay, now I got to go. So then he just made a play, got to the rim, and scored. But it's like for 20 seconds, nobody was going to do that. Like, nobody was interested in doing anything like that. I uh, I want to talk a little bit about Pitt. Um do we do we feel like I feel like I don't know who they are? Maybe that's the coaching change. Maybe that's the transfers. How, what do you guys think of of Pitt? How does this matchup strike? I know Ferber's probably working on the preview or is going to tonight. But how do we? How, what's the what's the general consensus about Pitt? Dave, we'll start with you. We're a six point favorite. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> six point favorite um, on the road. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't seen Pitt play, but for a few sec, you know, a few minutes against, I think it was Notre Dame, they beat, they lost to an overtime. Is that right? Um, That's right. So a little bit of that game, but in, yeah, I don't know what they are yet. Um, and they've they've got a couple of bad losses. It's, but you know, it's a road game in the ACC, and we're a highly ranked team, so students should be back. I'd imagine the students will be back. Um, so it should be a, a good atmosphere. <sighs> That was a good way to, to try to put some stuff yeah, together. I think the thing here I before really know much about this team. Before we let Ferber go, the one thing that did stand out to me in the quick little bit of uh, of research I've done on them is their number for turnover percentage defense is really really bad. Like really yeah, I was bad. just about to say that. Like they don't turn the ball over at all. Like they never. Like, they don't. Turn. Yeah, they don't. They don't turn people over, um, which is interesting because UVA is like top fifteen, right? And so. The other thing, like they, so they don't get steals, they don't turn, they don't force turnovers. So what are they doing? Like they're they're a hundred thirtieth in adjusted defensive efficiency. So what are they, they're basically just waiting for people to make bad shots, or I mean take bad shots. I, I don't understand. And then I looked at the teams they've played. They lost to SMU. They lost to Notre Dame. Easily the two best teams that they've played. They got one good win, a three point uh, victory over Marquette on a neutral floor. So I'm wondering if maybe we are. I, you know, if this is the if this is the day of overreacting, right? You know, we're overreacting a little bit to the ACC and and the craziness, and we're maybe we're overreacting a little bit to, um, you know, some of the um, uh, some of what we're seeing from, um, you know, from Pitt. You know, I feel like Michael Young, Jamel Artis, those are guys that clearly, uh, you know, we've we've kind of come to know a little bit. Um, you know, Cameron Johnson is a guy we've come to know a little bit. Um, Sheldon Jeter, a guy we've come to know a little bit. Um, so maybe they're just, because of the coaching change, it just kind of feels different. Um, but I'm not really sure. Ferber, why do you feel like that there's this, this, is it the loss to Florida State that's fueling it, or is it just the craziness that is the ACC on the road? What do you think? Um, I mean, kind of both. Uh, I mean, I think that I mean people forget the Pearson Event Center is one of the tougher places to play in the country. Um, I mean you're never just going to walk up there and expect to win handily. I mean last year um, was it last year they went up there and won? Um, 
they won pretty comfortably. Yeah, they they won pretty comfortably in that game. But um, and obviously Pitt hasn't been at home what they have been what they were in that Big East because they just haven't been as good. Um, but Pitt has a lot of skill for like length and skill, kind of like Florida State, where um, Florida State has a lot of big guys that can do a lot of things, but Pitt has just a lot of wings. Um, like their their top six scorers are all six six to six nine in height. Um, yeah, artists and young and a lot of these guys honestly feel like the same player. Um, it feels like they have five of the same player: Cam Johnson and artists and young. Um, so I think that'll kind of create some interesting matchups. I'm interested to see how they how they match up with them um, on the perimeter when they try to spread it out. But um, honestly, I think that they downgraded in coaches. Um, that doesn't mean that they can't win, but they haven't. I mean, that Marquette wins a good win, and they crushed Maryland on the road, which is weird. Um, but I don't see a lot here that makes me like too crazy worried. I mean, obviously it's a game they could lose, but I think if they go in there and play well, they're not going to lose. Yeah, I think that's the rub: is the go in there and play well. I, I I've mentioned this in. Um, um, also, UVA hasn't lost a pit since they joined the ACC. Well, that's you know that's just the kind of thing that is is sure to to always be the case, right? Um, no, those st- those kind of stats always like ever since ever since uh, Carolina got their their that football win in Charlottesville, and that they haven't lost since. You know, like oh well, that was fun. By the way. It's weird because we talked about it last week, but um, UVA is like fourteen and one or fifteen and one or something now against the newer ACC teams. Yeah. The only loss in the regular season was to Louisville at the buzzer. The Mathiang shot. Right. I mean, obviously they lost in the Elite Eight last year, but that one wasn't counted towards You're, the number. No, no. We're, we're talking about NACC play. I want to go back to something I mentioned in the uh, weekend wrap on Monday, and I want to get your your guys' opinions on this. I really do think that Virginia needs to get more out of London Perantis. I, I think, And when I say that, I don't mean stats. I mean, I think I just mean overall. Like, he it sometimes feels like uh, he's trying to do a whole lot and he's not doing much. I mean, I'm not, and that's not to impugn his his contributions. I mean, I know he's he he's he's a central piece of this whole thing, but I feel like in the past three years, one of the big reasons Virginia's been pretty good is because they've had that steady hand at the at the till, and I feel like he's done a really good job of kind of being uh, steady with the ball and him. He he has what eleven turnovers in the last three games. He's had thirteen in the first ten combined. To me, that's a problem, and it, and, I, and I really believe that this team cannot be successful turning the ball over that much. What do you guys do? Do you do you agree with me on that? Do you feel like Perantis is is his kind of uh, I don't want to say lackadaisicalness with the ball, but it kind of feels that way, and it certainly looks that way watching it. How, do you do you feel like this is a real problem, or am I making something out of nothing? I thought in the Florida State game it was a problem just because they felt like unforced turnovers that could have been avoided, I guess. I don't know how to put that. Like he threw the ball away on an inbounds pass. He had a critical turnover um, after a shot clock violation, I think it was, or a charge or something. Right. Where they got like a big stop and then he just gave somebody he gave somebody the ball basically. I think it was Bacon on an inbounds pass and he just laid it in. Yeah. Um, yeah. like that kind of stuff is a killer. And um, I, I mean, I'm not, it's not like a different guy or anything. It's just, I think, I think you're right. I think he's trying to almost do too much. And I almost feel like 
he feels God, I'm gonna make a Bronco Mendenhall uh, comparison. You know how Bronco said that one of the things one of the things he really thinks he messed up with was thinking like preparing and, and, and looking at this season as if he was in year twelve at BYU versus year one at UVA, right? I almost sometimes get the sense because Perantes will try to do these like wraparound passes or he'll try to drop something lane. And I'm like, I want to be like, bro, you're not throwing that to Malcolm Brogdon or Anthony Gill, man. Like you're throwing that to Jack Salt. You know, you're throwing that to Mariel Shayok. Like these are like, I almost feel like in some ways Perantes is in year four with Brogdon and Gill, but Brogdon and Gill just aren't there. You feel me? Like it just, it sometimes it's like he, it's like he's on this other level and he's expecting guys to make plays that they're just not going to re- realistically make with any consistency. The one that really stuck out to me uh, was the turnover at the top of the key late in the game. Kyle Guy on the right wing, and Perantis is in the top of the key and just kind of goes to pass it to him. And he, like, like halfway through, you remember the old Allen Iverson move where you, like, throw the ball and hit your, hit your like, you're throwing it, and then you're, you, you hit it down with your wrist, you know? Um it almost looked like that. It's like he, he's like he, he suddenly decided he didn't want to throw this pass, and he tried to catch it before it left his hand, and he lost it. And dude goes down and gets a um, gets a bucket. To, if you watch these games on TV, I'm always astounded by this. They will break down Virginia's offense and show you exactly what's happening. Like other teams know that stuff too. And so when you're at the top of the key and there's a kid coming on a on a curl or on a flare, like they know the ball's coming, so they they jump it. And so I think what's happened to Virginia too often this season is a guy has started to throw a pass before a player has come to a spot, and that spot's not open. And there's a lot of that, um, what looks like lazy passing, but realistically it's just guys thinking that they're gonna be that other guys are gonna be open. And I think London has been the main kind of culprit in those. And I feel like when they get a, get away from so much flare action, when they get away from doing too much of that at the top a lot of those turnovers just kind of seem to go away. What do you think, Dave? Am I making something out of nothing? No, I mean, I think we all talked about, you know, the importance of London, and you know, we were all very excited to see how he does without without the guys. But, you know, being being a big dog, um, I just think, you know, with, with the changes to the roster that have been made since the beginning of the season, things have changed quite a bit. And, you know, it, I can see it both ways. He certainly, look, there's no excuse for the – for the kind of lackadaisical turnovers he has had in the last couple games. Um, but, you know, the wraparound passes, I don't know how you take that out of his game. That's something he's done yeah, I agree. the whole time. That's what makes him effective. It's one of those things, too, where, like, if you want to make that pass, you can do that, but there's also a better way, which is to just go to the rim. Like, how many yeah. times when I was doing the rewatch for the Florida State game – did I see a play where a guy go, is going to the rim and, and, and should be able to, to at least get to the line, but instead chooses to try to thread a needle down the baseline or tries to wrap a pass or try to drop something off? And I'm not saying that they're the wrong play. I'm just saying that they, it's almost like these guys, it's like they're so unselfish that they just feel like they, they – I don't know if it's that they don't want to shoot or if they feel like they shouldn't. But, like, I see Perantis doing this and at the same time see him taking these shots where he's, like, off balance – you know where he where his 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 one foot is like off to the side almost you know and like the mechanics are all off and you're thinking that's and there's like 11 seconds left on the shot clock and you're like hey, was that really a look you needed to take i mean there has to be some place in the middle ground right where when you get closer to the rim you shoot and when you can't get when you don't have enough time to get yourself straight you pass i I guess to me it's about decisiveness, and I just feel like there are times when guys are either in the air, not sure what they're going to do, 
or they take they go to take shots and they're everything's off but they take them anyway um yeah you know we're running that screen action um you know, we've talked several times about the you know, lack of a, a true post and how it affects other players but you think back to how many times london would would come around this you know a screen on on the low post and the defender would stay because it was toby or or gill right and you know london could do that little curl to the free throw line or to the you know just in front of the free throw line i don't know if i've seen him make that make that curl all year he's always had to bring it out top um and yeah that was a huge part of his game and when you get him with the ball right there he has so many options because the defense is going to react he's going to shoot it or he's going to have someone shooting the three so it's I don't know. I mean, I think we're very much a work in progress, and especially we've been playing so much of that four guard four guard lineup. Um, that yeah, I just think London's having a little bit of trouble trying to find a rhythm, um, and I think that's something we'll have to develop over the next few weeks. Or maybe a, maybe he's just smarter than all of us, and he's trying to get the other guys some experience so so they yeah. can make a run. I don't know. The other thing that I thought it was interesting as I watched the game was how much somebody else brought the ball up, and I I was on. Um, uh, best seat in the house on WINA tonight. Luke Neer made a point that made me think later. He said something to the effect of that when you ask a guy to make as many crucial decisions in a game as you're asking London Perantis to make, he's going to have some some mistakes. And I thought, but you know what, though? There are times when he's not bringing the ball up before, but he still probably feels like he's the one that's supposed to make the play. Um, and I wonder, how, how do you fix that? Like, how do, you, how do you take that pressure off of him? I'm not real sure. Um, I want to wrap up tonight with uh, kind of a, a different uh, – I'd like to drop things on you guys live on the air. So give me – you have a magic wand or what have you. You can fix one thing with this team. What would you fix and why? Like if you had one thing that you could f- could could change. To me, I'll go first and give you guys a chance to think about your, your response there. I, I would, as I said in the weekend wrap, I would probably, I would probably play Guy and, and Diakite more. Uh, I probably would start Guy – bring Diakite in off the bench. Um, and I think that – I think having those guys on the floor, there's a certain give and take, as Tony has said before. You're going to give up some points, but at the same time, the offense, as I watch these games, it just moves so much better when guys in the game. And I feel like Diakite brings an inside-outside threat that Virginia doesn't have anywhere else that they somewhat got from, um, from Anthony Gill – even though Gill wasn't going to spot up from three, he could catch the ball further away from the basket and then go to the rim, right? Where he could get you on a lean and then go. And you had to, you, but, but the bottom line was you had to come out and defend him. Diakite still can do that. Diakite can hit a three, or he's the king of the long two. Um, so to me, that would be the thing. I would, I would start guy, bring Thompson in off the bench with Shayok. I feel like that's a good combo because you have a scorer and a defender. Um, and you you have somebody in, in Thompson who can handle the ball, and that way you can work um, the rotation with with uh, with London out of the game. But that would be my fix. Would be playing those two guys a lot more. What do you guys think, Dave? We'll start with you. What do you What do you think? I mean, I think guys getting a lot of playing time lately. Um, I'd like to see Diakite come in sooner. Yeah, and I'd like to see us play around with letting him try to guard a guy like Bacon when he gets hot. You know. Maybe not the whole possession, but let you me know that's off a little exactly bit. what I thought too. Watching the replay today, I thought, man, what what a, what a position they would have been in if 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 Diakite had been the player coming up before instead of Wilkins. That yeah, extra I mean, link in the athleticism, you. yeah. Plus, it helps you on a team like Wake Forest, you know, where you've got you know a big who can shoot. Um, yeah, Diakite is just 
I think he's getting a little better, you know, catching the ball and scoring the ball. Um, you know, his defense has been solid. He doesn't seem to be going for the the highlight block every time he's in there now. Um, but you, know, if you can get him, like, if you get him to a point where he can guard the perimeter well and still be what he is in the in the paint, it, I think it elevates the entire team. So, uh, you know, kind of like you, I, I'd like to see God continue to get more minutes and, and Diakite play a lot more. Um, and I don't know, Reuter. I wish Reuter was like two inches taller because I think he'd be a beast at that point. Um, right. But you know, well, it kind of is say what this. it is. He, he his back to the basket stuff. It is. It, it's important for this team because yeah. he's the only guy who can really go down there and really go get you a bucket. And and I think I don't I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like I, I want to throw Jack Salt off to the uh, island of misfit toys or whatever. But um, I think that in certain games, that's why I think having Salt start and then playing Diakite more. Um, I, I think that you could pair Wilkins and Diakite. You could pair Reuter and Salt, um, and kind of depending on matchups, which you know what, how they how those minutes shook out. Because I, I think that you could play, you could have some matchups sometimes where you can pump the ball into Reuter and and he, and he can score, or he at least he can get looks. But the pro- my problem is is that like even when they're in the game, like they just never can seem to get a, a post touch. I think Kyle Guys is really the only one who can consistently it seems like get the ball in, um, and I think that's something. Look, if you're not going to pump the ball into those big guys, put the, more athleticism on the floor and at least invest in Diakite. Let him kind of earn earn his stripes and 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 like get that experience under his belt. Um, Ferber, what about you? What would you change if you if you had one one thing you you could change? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I mean you guys kind of nailed it. That was kind of where I wanted to go with that, actually. But I would say Reuter probably. I'd like to see him play a little bit more and maybe just try to get some more paint touches for the whole team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus or anything, but they just really haven't gotten a lot from Isaiah on the offensive end yeah. this season, so. I mean, they have to find other ways to get the bigs involved because if it's all guards, I mean, you can go with the four-guard lineup but not against every team. Um, and, and honestly, they have to kind of get that inside out going to get these open looks that they need from three to be competitive. Um, I mean, like you said, I mean, Perant has pretty much created that corner three for Guy at the end of the game with a good pass on the baseline. So, But he had to get there. So I think if they can involve the bigs and then do a little driving kick stuff and – have the bigs kind of they're both i mean reuter's a pretty good passer so i think that i mean he could be used in that way as well on the offensive end well uh carolina has come back to defeat clemson in overtime uh apparently uh brad brownell not very happy with with uh, a late bucket that they scored um i guess when kenny williams was all alone he just went to the rim and scored anyway as opposed to just dribbling it out um so at least some semblance of order restored, but we'll have to wait and see how the rest of the, the league slate goes starting tomorrow night or as you listen to this tonight uh, between uh, Pittsburgh and, uh, and Virginia. I think that's a, a good place to put, in a pen, put a pen in it. We'll be back uh, next week to talk about, obviously, the, the Pitt and Wake Forest games and preview um, that weekend's game uh, against the Tigers. So for uh, David Spence, for Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.